Greetings from Longtime No See, the podcast. Every week, we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! What would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on? A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my God, Jack almost fell off his chair. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. Why don't we go to Tis the Damn Season? Yes. Do you want to take it away? Yes. So Tis the Damn Season was written by Taylor Swift and Aaron Dessner and was produced by Aaron Dessner. So this is a song that is about going back to your hometown for the holidays, likely Thanksgiving since she says the weekend and Thanksgiving is a Thursday, and basically hitting up your old crush from... When you were growing up. Which a lot of people talk about. Like, I, I remember that being a thing when we were in college. People would talk about their hometown hookup. Mm-hmm. Gets graphic. Gets graphic. People get really drunk on the night before Thanksgiving. So, God knows what happens. It's an oddly horny holiday. It's togetherness. <laughs> oh, shoot. Allie. What? I have to bring up something about Willow. Oh, no. oh well, and it's take late. it away. Take it away. I'm sorry. I follow someone on Twitter, this girl Bailey. We're friends. Shout out to you, Bailey. Wish I knew your at already so I could properly do it. But she tweeted Willow, but it's that's my wife in the Borat voice instead of that's my man. <laughs> <laughs> and I laughed for like five minutes. <laughs> oh my God. So I just want all of y'all to. Imagine that in your head the next time you listen to Willow. It's a real treat. <laughs> I won't Thank even you. I won't even do the voice. I will spare y'all, but it's so good. Yeah, please don't do the poor I really want to, but I won't. My wife. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> so now let's jump back to Tis the Damn Season. I have two main thoughts about this song that I want to share. The first of which, upon my first listen of Tis the Damn Season, when she was saying, so we could call it even, you could call me babe for the weekend. When she kept saying that over and over again, I was like, she's going to say good for a weekend. She's going to say good for a weekend. But the song is about listening to our podcast. You can put on good for a weekend. My second thing, and... Probably the last thing I want to say about Tis the Damn Season, other than it's also a song that really, truly grew on me so much, is the line, or lines, I should say, I parked my car right between the Methodist and the school that used to be ours. So, in my Taylor Swift Facebook group that I mention so often, someone put a post showing a map of Reading or Reading, Pennsylvania, where there is a Methodist church in her hometown across from a school, and the street that lies between is called Woodville. Now, where have we heard Woodville before? It was the hidden word in that picture, one of the folklore pictures that everyone thought signified her third trilogy album to the folklore series that's all i'm gonna say woodvale cressy what are your thoughts so i totally admire the link that this person went to to find this and i bet they were so excited when they found that i respect that i respect the hell out of it but i've got several several arguments against it i would love for it to be that huge of an easter egg like i genuinely would you know but would taylor whip open a map for for whatever reason pick a methodist church and her school because she hasn't written the song yet if we're back in july 2020 and look at the streets in between them and be like all right that's the one and for whatever reason i chose this methodist church like i just don't get it and she also wasn't a teenager in this town she didn't go she wasn't like her high school age she doesn't have like as far as i know like a lover back there, you know? 
And she doesn't go back there for the holidays as far as I know. I obviously would not know that. But uh, to me, it just kind of sounds like she grew up there very young before moving. And lastly, there are so many Methodist churches next to or near in the same circle, you know, next to schools. That's just how towns are built. So there's going to be a road in between those two arbitrary things that matches up with something like Taylor related. It's just like America is so fucking huge. You know, like there's just no way I'm sure you could find like a reputation street between those two things. Because, and also, like, how far apart away are these two things? I mean, technically, it could be a different Methodist church, like, three miles away. You know, is there a Methodist church closer? Is there a different school? Are they talking about a middle school or the high school? Is it the elementary school that we know Taylor went to, or is it just, like, some random mass school? I just, I think this is too far. This is a reach. But I do respect the person who went to this effort. I respect the hell out of it. I mean, I I went to all that effort to dissect champagne problems. I get it. But this is, I, it's like when we talked about how many numbers add up to 13, you know, like, wasn't it like 15% of three digit numbers add up to 13? Like, it's just going to happen logically. We live in a big world. That's all I'm going to say. Do you know how close the um, church and the school was in that post? So upon further digging, I pulled up this post and Taylor I'm not going to say her full name just because I don't know if she listens to the podcast, nor do I know if she would want to remain anonymous or not. But Taylor in my Swifty Facebook group said, okay, so to further this whole trilogy theory, I saw this on Twitter, but there is a Methodist church in Reading, Pennsylvania, Taylor's hometown and the tis the damn season of it all that is located on the corner of 18th street and Woodvale Avenue. I just don't think this is a coincidence Also, I checked it myself because you can't believe everything you read on the internet. So her specific post does not mention a school. But as I'm looking at Google Maps now, there are several schools. For instance, there is a Montessori school and different things like Mm -hmm. that. I don't know what school she went to. So I guess that does further your point of view. It could be far-fetched. Like this is just a Woodville Avenue in, you know, middle of the U.S., America. But the fact that it is where she grew up and there is that place and there is a Methodist church and there are several schools around the area, it raises the question. You know, one day some statistician is going to write a giant-ass thesis on (laughs) Swifty like predictions and Easter eggs and stuff and actually yeah. calculate like how much of it is correct and not, you know, cause I would love to <laughs> I know. know, but I guess there's not really any way you can measure like how much of a reach something is maybe the probability, but I don't know. I need a statistician on this stat. Well, I have been seeing some theories on like the re-recordings that some people believe there is a, TS6 that was never released. So something that would have been the predecessor to Reputation. I'm pretty sure that's been confirmed by Taylor herself. Karma? No. Okay, not the whole, like, karma thing. Why would it be called karma if it's before Reputation? People think it's called karma because on the scene from the man music video where the man is pissing on the wall, she has all of her album names, and then in the center is karma, like, right in front of where the man is pissing. Well, I, we do know that she had an album, TS6, ready to, like, start rolling out, basically, and go with the motions with albums in that year of the whole Kimye incident. And yeah. that was completely stopped and scrapped. So that did exist, but I don't know if it was called Karma or what. I feel like it couldn't be, though. Like, why would something she had already written before this bad karmic thing that happened? Like, Yeah. I don't know. I feel like that fits with the music video. Like, karma, I'm I'm pissing. I'm, like, metaphorically pissing on a scooter, you know. That's karma. But I I don't think we know what the name was. But she has said that she, she like, had to scrap something and start over. 
Well, in terms of Karma, too, if that would have been the name for this unreleased album, I think that is too similar sounding to Reputation. And like you said, she hadn't been through all of that yet. It wouldn't make sense. Like, I guess the way I'm picturing, and you really don't know how that album would have sounded, but the way I'm picturing Karma is a very Reputation-esque sound. I don't know, just because the word karma sounds like vengeful to me, similar to reputation. But I mean, it could have, if it was called karma, maybe it wasn't reputation-esque. Who knows? It's just interesting because at the time that karma would have been recorded, she was living the life. This Mm -hmm. was her squad days. Mm -hmm. Things were good. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what it was called. That being said, I think it's time that we move on to the track five yes. of Evermore, Tolerate It. So Tolerate It was written by Taylor Swift and Aaron Dessner, and it was produced by Aaron Dessner. So I think this is one of her saddest track five songs, honestly, because it's just so devastating, basically begging for someone to give you attention, someone that is your partner I, I, this is kind of set up to me to seem like a, a long time couple. Obviously, don't know. And this person is polishing plates until they gleam and glisten. And she greets him with a battle hero's welcome, basically trying to be the perfect partner. And this person is only tolerating them. So it just makes me really sad. And it reminded me of a How I Met Your Mother quote. That I have saved to my phone. And How I Met Your Mother (laughs) has not aged well. Let's just go ahead and get that on the table. I'm right there with you. I don't think I'll ever rewatch it. It, It's just just not great. It's not really holding up in the Me Too era very well. But there's this great... uh, I haven't rewatched it. Okay, don't. It's it's not good. And it's not even funny, you know? It's just... Yeah. Yeah. I've never watched it. So now I never will. It was good at the time. I I watched it growing up. I watched it every week, you know, like we used to do in the olden days when there were sitcoms (laughs) on Thursday nights and you had to sit and watch the commercials. I used to watch the show like week to week. And there was this quote that always really, really stuck to me. And it's a quote that Ted says. He's the main character. And he's basically talking to this girl who he previously dated and they're kind of like seeing each other again and they work really well together they Mm -hmm. just do but they just don't like they just don't they're not crazy about each other they're not like in love you know even though they work yeah and they're kind of talking like maybe we should just do this and like let's just be together because like we work you know like basically saying let's settle yeah and the quote is shouldn't we hold out for the person who doesn't just tolerate our little quirks but actually likes them isn't that such a good quote? Yeah, that is beautiful. Like, I mean... And that's a song is like, this person is only tolerating the narrator's quirks. And I just making me think about Ted saying this. Like, you gotta hold out for someone who doesn't just tolerate you. For someone who likes your, your weird stuff. Because I, like I like a lot of weird stuff. I got a lot of quirks. Ali can contest yeah. to that. So I <laughs> yes. always have this quote, like, kind of in the back of my mind. Like, is this person tolerating me? Or are yeah. they actually like interested or supportive of the things that I like. So what's interesting to this song for me and something that you didn't mention. So I find that interesting because like to me, it was so blindingly about this. And I think probably for a lot of people, I would assume a lot of people interpreted it this way. And maybe you did at some point as well. When I heard tolerate it, my mind was only on divorce, only on divorce. Yeah. Which I think is interesting because this is track five. And for Folklore, her track five was My Tears Ricochet, which obviously for a lot of reasons has been argued that it is about Scooter Braun and Scott Borchetta, more Scott Borchetta than Scooter Braun because obviously they had the more long relationship. But Taylor in the Long Pond Sessions said that to her, My Tears Ricochet symbolizes divorce. Mm -hmm. And to me, tolerate it really, really speaks to me in terms of divorce. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is definitely like a, a long-standing relationship. 
Especially the line, like lines like "I made you my temple, my mural, my sky." That's not. Yeah. That's not a fling. That's not like a two-year relationship. That's a whole. That's a whole ass marriage. Hmm. So to me, there's a lot of different themes about divorce throughout folklore and Evermore. We'll talk about happiness in a little while, um, and we've touched on the fact that we think it could be, or it's been argued that it is about Abigail Taylor's best friend's divorce from her ex-husband or soon to be ex-husband um so to me like maybe this is tied throughout because abigail is going through it Mm -hmm. it's just interesting to me that taylor has so many themes that seem to speak to divorce Mm -hmm. without actually going through a marriage and divorce herself but she could have friends that have she's so talented yeah i mean it's talent and you know she's at the age where she's probably seen several divorces Mm -hmm. so it's not hard to imagine. Maybe that's her fear about mm-hmm. the stage that she is in with Joe Allen, where everyone's speculating. Mm-hmm. Are they going to get engaged? Are you going to get married? A lot of times holdups to that are the fears of divorce. So maybe that's what's mm-hmm. inspiring her partially behind these songs. And I think it's important to acknowledge that Taylor is when you, Boiler down. That sounds so gross, but you know what I mean. When you <laughs> yeah, like, take take her down to like one thing. Yeah, like she is a writer, mm-hmm. and I feel like maybe it's because she's a woman. People just assume she has to have a personal connection to write songs like this. Like she can't mm-hmm. think about perspectives of her friends and stuff like that. But like yeah, no, like Gone Girl didn't actually happen. <laughs> yeah, or, or Harry Potter that wasn't a thing mm-hmm. like you you things can be written about that you don't relate to and it can be done super super well yeah and I just think that's important to remember well and something like you and I both come from a point of view where we have both always enjoyed writing mm-hmm. we both have that similar background for me personally in my writing I remember I won a contest or something for like best horror story. And I'm not a horror driven person. I'm very amiable, (laughs) very like sunshine. I feel like I'm not very dark or, you know, like Mm -hmm. dark things or anything like that. But for me, I was able to write a horror story because it was like my deepest fears. Yeah. You can write from different points of view. I think that is so exactly the point because it, it just really it bugs me sometimes when Swiffers um, kind of dissect things this way because you can really dissect a song like the way we just did Champagne Problems, but you don't have to dissect it to fit a narrative you have in your mind, you know? Mm-hmm. And Taylor made very clear in the Long Pond sessions that she realized during this time that not every song has to be autobiographical mm-hmm. like she used to think. And she wrote a whole love triangle in folklore, which mm-hmm. wasn't anything from her life. She also, I don't think it was in the Long Pond sessions. I think it was with some magazine, but she said something along the lines of that she fell into a rut where she was only mm-hmm. writing very autobiographical, which we saw with reputation. Mm-hmm. And that, that was holding her back creatively, mm-hmm. which I totally can see. Because it's like when she let that go with Folklore and Evermore, it's like we just saw this whole new world. Not that her Mm -hmm. previous albums weren't good. I love them all. But it's just like, so good. So talented. I would argue that the, you know, autobiography in parts of her songs would be something that appeal a lot to like hardcore Swifties and Swiffers like us, but wouldn't appeal largely Mm -mm. to people that are just like, listeners of her music you know like i think that when she branches out of being an autobiography in her music that's when more people can come in Mm -hmm. so i think that's something that we've seen with folklore Mm -hmm. and evermore well with that being said i think it's time that we move on to nobody no crime featuring heim not haim we thought it was yeah. Haim. It's Haim. Newsflash to us. So something that we've heard a lot and seen a lot on social media, or at least I know I have, is that a lot of people view Nobody, No Crime as the new Goodbye Earl by the Chicks slash the Dixie Chicks. I can see it. Um, if you're not mm-hmm. familiar with the song Goodbye Earl, 
go give it a listen. You won't regret it. It's hard to forget. I could see it as a reimagined version, a little bit more, I want to say like artistic, but I don't really necessarily want to say Goodbye Earl isn't artistic. Goodbye mm-hmm. Earl is just more non-serious, you know, mm-hmm. like it's more silly kind of, because they go Goodbye Earl. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just like playful. But one thing that I want to bring up that I saw from social media that surprised me was someone brought up the line. It's kind of the turning point of the song where, you know, Taylor's character seemingly or definitely kills Mm -hmm. her friend's husband who seemingly killed Esty. Mm -hmm. Um, But the line goes, good thing his mistress took out a big life insurance policy. So I always took this line to mean like, good thing his mistress took out a big life insurance policy. Now it seems like she did it, not me. Because then it goes on to the line, they think she did it, but they just can't prove it. I always took it as that. Like, it's kind of framing the mistress, you know, Taylor's character is getting that revenge. But I saw on a social media post that someone took the line, good thing his mistress took out a big life insurance policy to mean... Like, good thing the mistress is also okay. The mistress is also a victim of this horrible man. Mm -hmm. Like, kind of going with the theme of the love triangle in folklore where you shouldn't blame the third woman because the third woman has feelings too and has a different perspective. Um, And saying, like, good thing the mistress has a big life insurance policy. The mistress is going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Personally, I still view it as more of a vengeful thing. Like... Mm -hmm. Now the mistress looks like she killed the guy. Um, But I just thought it was interesting, that different perspective. I think when you're just looking at this, just looking at the lyrics in front of you, typed out, that that totally makes sense. Um, The narrative that, like, good for her, you know? Yeah. (laughs) She got some money, too. But just the way Taylor sings it, you know, and the way she holds up policy, you know... Yeah, and it's then, the turn. And, yeah, and the way she says she thinks I did it, but she just can't prove it. Like, the way she, like, she really goes hard in the country accent when she says, just can't, you know, like, like more than yeah. any other part of the song. She really whips it out with that line, and it's kind of like a fuck you to this mistress, I feel like. Yeah. But when you just look at it and you just read, she thinks I did it, but she just can't prove it, then it yeah. totally makes sense that it could be the other thing, you know? Well, and I think, like, in the backwoods version of how I picture this, like, real country, like, I picture this character that Taylor is playing as someone who really would be seeking that revenge. Mm -hmm. You know, like, because the mistress moved in right after the wife, Esty, was killed. So it's like... And she could be a great gal, but it doesn't matter because it's still the mistress and you want revenge because your best friend's dead, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's you would character. be so mad. So yeah. good. Yeah. But that was pretty much, I mean, other than the fact that I loved hearing Country Taylor and, like, really hearing that kind of twang from her and that mm-hmm. country soul from her again, I mean, all I can say is that it's a great song, instant banger, mm-hmm. love listening to it. I think it would do great on the country charts. Is it going to be released on the country charts? Do you know? I don't know. I mean, I guess no one knows, but... I would venture to say that this song would almost outperform Betty. Mm-hmm. I feel like everyone was so obsessed with this song right away after yeah. we all heard Evermore. Like, this was the one that stood out. Yeah. And I also just want to say, in our Evermore reaction episode, we freaking predicted this, bitches. <laughs> what did I say? Can the courts read the transcripts? I said... <laughs> That Taylor has been listening to true crime podcast and wrote this. And what true. did Taylor say? Literally that. She said, <laughs> I'd been listening to true crime podcast and I wrote this. <laughs> so that's plus one for GFAW. Yes. Um, also, Haim, this is featuring Haim. Where are they? They didn't write this according to um, the, the Wikipedia. Yeah. I, I don't really hear their vocals. I... The, just use the word SD where this is not featuring Haim to me. I'm just going to be honest. They're like the backup singers and their voice 
is very like it brings that countryness to it. I think even though I don't even mm-hmm. they're not even like truly country, mm-hmm. um, but they kind of bring that soulfulness to me yeah. underneath. I actually started looking through their page after the song came out and I've been meaning to start listening to their music just to learn more about them because they're very like intriguing. Like they're very like artsy and soulful and like a little weird and just out there. Not even weird, just definitely bold, Mm -hmm. you know, and um, I hear their voices um, kind of underneath Taylor's, but I agree when I saw featuring Haim, I thought that they were going to have a verse or something. Anything. Scream. Anything. But like it's really just backup vocals. But when you use a band like Haim as backup vocals, I feel like they can't just be listed as backup vocalists. Like I feel like you have to list their name. Well, so there are instances where this happens. Yeah? Where? So just using Taylor as an example, Tim McGraw, his vocals Mm. are mixed in there. He's not... In the title of that song, it isn't Tim McGraw featuring Tim McGraw. Or a a song that Taylor herself is featured on, John Mayer's Half of My Heart. She even has like a lyric here and there. But she is. it isn't Half of My Heart featuring Taylor Swift. Yeah. That's a good point. I didn't even think about those examples. It's just odd to me. You know? I I don't know what to make of it. It's It's just quite odd. Well, they've been longtime friends. Maybe she wanted to give them that feature so that she could bring more audience to them. To me, and this is just because maybe I, I'm i egotistical or something, I would be offended, you know? Yeah. Like, I wouldn't, I couldn't bring anything to the table, you know? It's just slapping yeah. my name on it. I don't know. Maybe yeah. they did more work than we know. Maybe they did help write it and they just aren't credited. I don't know. I bet they had a ball singing it together. Yeah, I bet they had fun. That's all that matters. So let's go on to happiness. Yes. So happiness was written by, again, you guessed it, Taylor Swift and Aaron Dessner and was produced by Aaron Dessner. That's pretty much like 75% of the songs on Evermore. Is that yeah. exactly I actually forgot to say that for Nobody, No Crime. It was written by Taylor Swift and produced by Taylor Swift and Aaron Dessner as Mm -hmm. well. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. And happiness is, to me, what Taylor referred to as related to Maribel. I feel like I said that really Mm -hmm. strangely. Sorry to the people listening. Um, And the... YouTube comments when she was answering questions, she said that there's a song on Evermore that she relates to Mirabal. And to me, mm-hmm. happiness is that song. And you could argue a ton of different songs. You could also argue tolerate it. I think that's another good contender. But I really mm-hmm. see happiness for it because mm-hmm. I I was dancing when the music stopped. That line specifically. That's a good point. What do you think? I never viewed it as the partner to Mirabal, but I honestly missed that quote from Taylor. So I was never looking for that in Nevermore. So now I'm definitely going to keep that in mind. I could definitely see it being happiness. To me, the biggest standout about happiness, and this happens slowly. If I have to be honest, I think in one of the episodes I said that to me, Evermore has about two skips. Mm -hmm. And when I said that, I did have happiness in mind. Happiness was not an early favorite for me, mm-hmm. but something changed one day mm-hmm. <laughs> and that day was Christmas <laughs> and, yeah. and like literally Christmas. I'm not talking metaphorically. It was on Christmas day. I was driving to my sister's house and I was listening to Evermore. And for some reason I really zoned in to the song happiness and you know, what did it for me. The fucking bridge and the bridge is mm-hmm. small. The bridge is really small and it's kind of spicy, but I'm just going to read the lines because to me, it just hits so deep. It feels like a dagger in my heart when this line is said and the way she says it too. Oh my God. Okay. It's, and I pulled your body into mine every goddamn night. Now I can't fake niceties. Oh, I just read that wrong. I've been always singing it as I can't fake niceties. It's. I pulled your body into mine every goddamn night. Now I get fake niceties. Either way, 
Both mean the same thing. Literally chills. Like, because that is the picture of intimacy that you have with a partner. And that intimacy that's broken when you have a breakup or split or divorce is the most heartbreaking part. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the closest person to you on earth. And now they're nothing to you because mm-hmm. you're broken up. They can't mean anything to you. I also really like this song because it's not just you hurt me. It's like we hurt each other. Yeah. You know, like there are lines that it kind of sounds like this guy is an asshole. But then we see lines like when a good man hurts you and you know you hurt him too. You know, things like a marriage, they aren't so black and white like divorces. Mm -hmm. They're so layered. It's not this person was a bad guy. Or this one thing happened that led to this. It's very messy and ugly and disgusting and likely brings out the worst in people. I've never been divorced, but I'm assuming it would likely bring out the worst in you or really break you down. So I like that the song kind of acknowledges that it's super complex. Like, you know that you hurt this person too. And that kind of makes me think of Champagne Problems, how that guy in Champagne Problems seemingly had no problems, but it just wasn't working. And I think that's the truth for a lot of breakups. It might be two great people. Not Mm -hmm. everyone breaks apart because of some awful cheating scandal Mm -hmm. or, you know, horrible, you know, personality trait or anything like that. Sometimes it just doesn't work out. And that's the most heartbreaking thing of all. And I think we do have to touch on, I can't personally touch on this too much because I haven't done my research, nor is this something that we really should touch on too deeply Mm -hmm. since it is so personal, but people have speculated or, you know, even assumed that this song is about Abigail, Taylor's best friend who is getting divorced. Allegedly. Allegedly. One of the reasons people think this is because Abigail changed her last name on social media, if I'm understanding correctly, as well as the whole line, seven years of heaven, the price you pay for seven years of heaven, they were together for seven years. Mm -hmm. So make of that as you will, but that is the speculation around the song. I have one last thing before we move on. Okay. Two things, actually. Uh, I really like the Great Gatsby reference, Beautiful mm-hmm. Fool. It's definitely a super overrated book, but you know I love a good reference. <laughs> so I was excited to hear that. I definitely didn't even get that from it, so I'm happy you brought that up. Yeah, uh, I hope she'll be a beautiful fool who takes my spot next to you. Yeah, I didn't know that was Great Gatsby. Yeah, when Daisy like gives birth, it's been a while since high school, y'all, so forgive me <laughs> if this isn't correct. But the woman gives birth and she looks at the baby and it's like, I hope she'll be a beautiful fool. Meaning like, I Mm. hope she'll be like naive and like won't like go through pain basically. Yeah. Wow. Oh, and the last thing is definitely another plus one for G-Fall. You know why? (laughs) Oh, yes, I know. We guessed that happiness was a misleading title. So the next song is Dorothea. And I mentioned in my episode of Don't Blame Allie that Dorothea, as well as Ivy, which we'll talk about later, was one of my early favorites. Dorothea, I liked the melody. It was one of the first songs written forevermore, which surprised me. I just think the reason I like it so much is just the catchiness of it all. Mm -hmm. I just really like the overall vibe. Um, But the one thing I do want to mention is that People really interpreted this song to be about Selena Gomez. Mm -hmm. Uh, Selena Gomez had a part at one point where her name was Dorothy. So people took that as a sign as well as several different lines. One of them being selling dreams, selling makeup and magazines. Selena Gomez now has a line of makeup out. So obviously she's selling makeup and magazines. She's always on covers of Mm -hmm. magazines and selling God knows what. Also, obviously, if you don't know, um, Selena Gomez is one of Taylor's longest friends, always has been. Another line that made people think that this was about Selena Gomez is, and if you're ever tired of being known for who you know, you know you'll always know me. People took this to mean 
Justin Bieber. Like, if you're tired of being known for dating Justin Bieber, you know that you always know me, Taylor fucking Swift. Yeah. Um, also, you're fucking Selena Gomez. You are a boss. And then the last line that made people think that this was about Selena Gomez is, you got shiny friends since you left town. A tiny screen's the only place I see you now. So Selena posted at one point a lot of pictures with different friends. Taylor and Selena weren't really often seen together for a little bit. But Selena was surrounded by a good group of friends, it seemed like. And then the tiny screen's the only place I see you now on Selena's new cooking show which I think is on Apple TV or I don't even know, Amazon, something like that. Maybe Peacock. I don't know. There's too many. We just reinvented cable. I feel like it's Apple TV. No, I think it might be HBO. Okay, who knows? But Taylor FaceTimes Selena during her cooking show Mm -hmm. in one of the episodes. And Taylor is actually like styled and in one of the shirts of her folklore photo shoot. So people were like, Taylor literally called Selena during this like folklore moment. So Mm -hmm. people were really excited about that. But yeah, I mean, I love the song. It was an early favorite and I still love it. Cressy, what are your thoughts? So to add to the Selena thing, I didn't really see it at first until our friend Hannah brought it up to us. And then I kind of listened to it from that lens. Mm. And I picked up on those lyrics that you mentioned and I can totally Mm -hmm. see it. But I have mm-hmm. a fourth one. I have a fourth line. I have not noticed people point out. This okay. is a Cressy notice. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else has talked about this. Or maybe everyone has. You know? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? But it's the line. But are you the same soul I met under the bleachers? Now you may think, all right, this is about like school-aged kids meeting under bleachers. Um, well, let's... let's Go back to our squad episode where we talk about how Taylor and Selena met. They met at a Jonas Brothers concert. What were they doing? Stadium tours under the bleachers. Oh my God. Yeah, no, I did not pick up on that. My mind. (laughs) I thought that it was just like imaginary. Like if Taylor wasn't a super famous person, like, you know, well, although I guess Taylor was a pretty normal high schooler for at Mm -hmm. least a minute, but yeah. Wow, that's a good point. I could definitely, definitely see that. I also really like the song. I feel like it reminds me a lot of like the older friendships I have with people who I grew up with and that I'm still friends with now, you know? Yeah. But we definitely aren't like super close or maybe this friend kind of drops off the face of the earth for a month or two and it's like, hey, do you ever stop and think about me? I'm your friend. I'm still here <laughs> and I'll be here when you get back. We're, we're yeah. good. Because this isn't like a bitter song. It's not like, you forgot about me. Like, you found new friends. And do you yes. ever think about me? Like, in a sad way. But it's just like, yeah. it's happy. It's reminiscent. It's nostalgic in a good way. And it's just saying, hey, I'm here for you, girly. And I yeah. like that. I think it's a good, like, female friendship song. That being said, let's move on to Coney Island featuring The National. So Coney Island was written by Taylor Swift, William Bowery, Aaron Dessner, and Bryce Dessner, and was produced by Aaron Dessner and Bryce Dessner. Now, listeners, I've been waiting to get this off my chest. But in one of our episodes, I believe it was The Long Pond Sessions or maybe Folklore Revisited. In one of the episodes, um, we've had several people point out Um, A mistake that I made. So in the movie, The Long Pond Sessions, Aaron Dessner is obviously featured throughout. And something to know about The National is it features both Aaron Dessner and Bryce Dessner. Well, guess what? They are identical twins. And at one point of The Long Pond Sessions, it's an interview with Aaron Dessner. And he mentions Bryce Dessner, his identical twin brother, And it puts the little subtitle of Bryce Dessner from the National Brother, I don't know, something, you know, describing who Bryce Dessner is. Well, because they're identical twins, I thought it was Bryce Dessner then on the screen instead of Aaron Dessner. And I said, oh, Bryce Dessner is in the Long Pond Sessions. Well, I was quickly corrected. Um, Thank you for the people who pointed it out. They were like, oh my God, I thought the same thing at first. Rewinded. It actually was still Aaron Dessner. They were just explaining who Bryce Dessner was. 
My bad. They're both in the national. Easy mistake. They're identical twins. Honestly, editing yeah. error by Disney. Because why yeah. would they put Bryce Desner at the bottom if they're identical? No way to know. Anyways, moving on to the actual song. At first, much like Happiness, this was the other song I was referring to when I said that Evermore had two skips. That being said, this song has also grown on me immensely. I used to not really like the whole Aaron Dessner vocals in it. Um, I think just because I didn't personally believe the romance behind it, knowing Aaron Dessner, knowing Taylor Swift, knowing there was no romance there. So I didn't really like it, nor did I... It's not that I didn't like his voice. I just didn't really like his collaboration in the song vocally just in terms of it being a romantic song and I didn't believe the romance. That being said, it has grown on me a lot, so much so that one of my favorite lines now and the part that I probably like the most out of the song and look forward to in the song is an Aaron Dessner line where he says, when you're standing in the hallway with a big cake, happy birthday. I fucking love that line. I just think it is just like, I want to say snarky. It's not snarky, but like, I don't know, with a big cake, happy birthday. Like, it's just so like dramatic, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I, I've just grown to like the song. It's not my favorite on the album, but I have grown to appreciate it. I can't get into the song. I just, I really don't like it. It's got another little section in it that just really throws me off. When I think about Coney Island, I think about like, old New York, you know? Yeah. And then all of a sudden we get, we were like the mall before the internet. Yeah. You know? And I'm just kind of like, oh man, you took me out of a magical place again too. (laughs) And could, we were like the mall before the internet. Could that be a signal back to August? Meet me behind the mall. Yeah. But it's not even like that witty of a lyric to begin with. You know? Yeah. That, the, it doesn't, it could be removed from the song and the song when it, it, it wouldn't be worse. It could be arguably better in my opinion. Yeah. I feel like it was one of those lines where I didn't really like know exactly what was being said. Cause like mm-hmm. mall can just kind of like turn into different words. Mm-hmm. So when I printed out the lyrics and really looked at it, you were like the mall before the internet. It actually made more sense to me. I was like, Oh, I kind of get what they were saying mm-hmm. there. But again, I do kind of agree on Coney Island, I'm not going to a mall. I'm going to a fucking carnival. Like, yeah. You know, like it's not, you're the, like the carnival before the internet. That would yeah. make more sense. Or anything. Yeah. Anything else. One of the lines that stands out to me a lot now is, but when I walked up to the podium, I think that I forgot to say your name. This reminds me of award shows. Mm-hmm. So if you're a celebrity and you're accepting an award and you forget to say like, the person's name that you really should thank. Mm -hmm. That would be pretty dramatic. And that happens. People make mistakes when they get up there and they forget to thank their husband or wife or something, but they thank 10 other people and people pick up on that. Yeah. But honestly, sometimes it's just an honest mistake. So next up is Ivy. Ivy was written by Taylor Swift, Aaron Dessner, and Jack Antonoff, and was produced by Aaron Dessner. Now, I really wanted to um, begin the discussion on this song because this was one of my instant favorites. I don't know, just like something about it. I think it's honestly the chorus, the part where she goes, God damn, like that part just like, I love it. I, I love, I eat up every second of Ivy. I love this song so much that when my dear boyfriend gifted me a Nintendo Switch for Christmas and I finally got to start playing Animal Crossing, I named my island Ivy Island. Oh my gosh, I love that. I was like, it works. And so I try to listen to Ivy as much as I can when I'm playing Animal Crossing. It's my me time. It's very relaxing. You're just bebopping around, digging up fossils, going fishing in Ivy. Highly recommend it. And listening to Evermore during it is like, it's just, and you know, you definitely have like a candle lit to the side. Like it's my me time. But I just, I really, really love this song. I honestly, (laughs) I'm looking at my notes. I have such a like sporadic notes from different times that I've listened to this song. Um, (laughs) But this one just stuck out to me. 
the line where she goes and drink my husband's wine. I literally just point to that line in my notes and say, how rude. <laughs> like if I was rude. being cheated on, like I, you better not be drinking my wine with your lover if you're cheating on me. Okay, that's all. <laughs> you saying that reminds me of nobody, no crime. That ain't my Merlot on his breath or whatever. Oh, yeah. That ain't my jewelry on our joint account. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just think if I was ever in the position of being cheated on, and I know that Taylor is the one doing the cheating in this song, hypothetically, as she's Mm -hmm. singing it, but if I was being cheated on and I came home to them drinking my wine, and you know they're probably drinking some fancy ass... My wine. (laughs) Fancy ass bottle. Oh, um, what is it? My body, my something, my time. What? I can't even say it. My body, my wine. <laughs> There's like two other lines in it. Trying to find a part of me you haven't touched. My spirit, my chest. Oh my God. One second. Because a lot of people put that line on their bar carts. It's okay. Listeners, if you're not with us on this, you're probably like shouting the words yeah. like at the speaker as we're like trying to guess these. But it's from um, Death by a Thousand Cuts. It's like one of my favorite songs. My time, my spirit, my trust. What is it? Oh my God. My time, my wine, my spirit, my trust. We were dancing uh, all around it. Uh, but yeah. Anyways, what are your thoughts, Cressy? I have a lot of thoughts. Okay. Well, it's actually, it's not like long thoughts. It's like a bunch of little thoughts. Okay. And one of the little thoughts I have, I feel like this song is... What would have happened if the girl in Champagne Problems had said yes? Wow. Because she would have ended up cheating on him, right? Because for someone who made her actually feel something. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. Alternate timeline. (laughs) I I also love how this song is like, sometimes cheating is okay. You know, like in the same (laughs) album where someone is murdered for being a a cheating murderer. Yeah. But I, I do really like the song, like you, Allie. I actually, in my unreleased I Did Something Cressy, how do I have way more of these than you? I have no idea. Probably because I had COVID for the past two weeks, so my brain is just, like, not into it at all. Well, step it up, Allison. You need, a, you need a backlog of un publish things that will never see the light of the day honestly all i did all day when i had covid was lay in bed i could have just like (laughs) slept with my microphone next to me for all my random thoughts yeah i did survive covid it was not fun but she's alive i'm alive so i had in my episode that i was going to release it was going to be on why evermore is a southern gothic masterpiece but then i got all riled up about people being mean to taylor and i made my episode about that (laughs) So anyway, I have this whole episode researched and written and it took me weeks to do. And I have this whole section on Ivy and how this is super gothic-y. It's like, it's like a, I don't even know. It's like a rose for Emily. Like there's, let's just pull up the lyrics. Do you have the lyrics in front of you, Allie? Oh yeah, I have them right in front of me. Like, <laughs> do you want me to read through them again? And the old widow goes to the stone every day. So we're in a graveyard like the cold body, so they're dead, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Wait. Like, did the husband murder them? The second line is, I'd meet you where the spirit meets the bones. Graveyard. Just a really fancy way of saying graveyard. So is this person dead? Did the husband murder him? Or is this like, she's predicting the future and like, my pain fits in the palm of your freezing hand because he's dead, right? <laughs> and uh... he's like, stop i can't stop you putting roots in my dreamland like you know Uh, his body is fertilizer now i don't know sorry to be gross i definitely always pictured him alive and them just like meeting in the graveyard because it was like romantic and forbidden and kind of like foreboding you know i definitely pictured him alive and i pictured the freezing hand line as just like a cute little like relatable line about like boyfriends having cold hands you know yeah. Like, I thought it was cute. My heart fits in the palm of your freezing hand. Like, you know, like, it's always, it's like flirting 101. Oh, your hands are so cold. She says, my pain, my pain fits in your freezing hand. Uh. 
I'm yeah. not saying he's dead. I'm just saying that there's like these undertones and that could yeah. just be a metaphor. Like he's, he's like a dead man walking, you know, like he's seeing yeah. a, a married woman. <gasps> Wait, what if like this was the nobody, no crime? I've already thought this through. I've already <laughs> thought this through. I don't think it fits. <laughs> Cause he's dead now. Oh my God. Okay. I, I got to that way later than you, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this song is so spooky. It's got some, uh, very gothic-y undertones, so I really like it. Um, it is interesting to me that it's told in past tense. So yeah. I don't know if she's looking back on this or if they're still doing it. But yeah, yeah it's really interesting since Taylor hasn't really written a song from a cheater's perspective before. and A cheater yeah. in a marriage, not even a relationship. A yeah. marriage. She's kind of all over the map in terms of like relationship problems. Yeah. One one song, cheating's not okay. The other song, they're cheating. The other song, there's a divorce, but they're both good people. Another song, it's from the third woman's perspective. Another <laughs> song, we're killing the third or not killing the third woman. We're killing the third, mm-hmm. the, the man who had the mistress. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, Taylor, where do you stand on relationship yeah. issues? Okay, so I have one last thing on Ivy before we move on. Okay. So Ivy as a plant. You're familiar, correct, Allie, with the plant and ivy. Are you going to talk about how it grows all over things? No. I'm going to oh. talk about, like, the metaphor of that. How it, like, climbs, okay. you know? So that can be, like, coaxing, you know? Like, it's, like, ivy, like, wrapping you up. Or it's, like, uh-huh. ivy strangling you. Oh, my lord. Just leaving it at that. It's double meaning. That's like the Harry Potter pit where they fall through, like, the vines that are so, like, you know, in the first movie. You know, when they fall It's been into a while the... since I've seen it, but I can picture it. Yeah. It's part of the Hagrid ride in Harry Potter world. That's why it's fresh on my mind. Oh, <laughs> double snare. Sorry. Okay. You relate things to Lord of the Rings and I'm like instantly Harry Potter. I did that time. one time. <laughs> yeah, but like pretty epically because it was Bilbo Baggins when we were talking about Joe Alwyn or Harry Styles. That was hilarious though. That was, you can't say that that was not not funny. Oh my gosh. This is a callback to our folklore episode. Wow, full circle since we're now recording the Evermore episode, so. Little did we know. Little did we know. 